Good morning. Hope you guys are all doing well. Welcome to Three Lakes Evangelical Free Church. Uh, my name is Pastor Ian. I'm the youth and family pastor here, and we're just excited for you to be here. If you're new or visiting or would like to put a prayer request in or communicate with the church, there's a connect card in the seat in front of you. Um, those can be put on in the boxes on the back wall. That's also where tithes and offerings can be put. Um, so this morning is going to be a little bit of a different morning. We had some technical difficulties, so... There won't be anything on the screens, so we are going a little old school, so hopefully uh, you guys can enjoy a little bit of a different Sunday, but um, yeah, so there won't be anything on the screens, but after uh, our time up here, we will have some time of fellowship, so at about 10, 10, 10 o'clock, um, we can go downstairs, there is coffee and snacks and treats that you can have, um, so we invite you to come and do that. Also, there are Sunday school opportunities, so downstairs for children, um, those start at 10.30. Up here, we are going to do something a little different for cross-training. We are combining youth and the adult cross-training, so 10.45 up here if you are a youth or uh, an adult and would like to join us to talk through the sermon a little bit. A couple of announcements. First of all, there is a congregational meeting next week. These can be found on the inside of your bulletin. Uh, if you're looking for announcements. So there's a congregational meeting next week, March 3rd at 11.30. It'll be up here. Um, we invite you to come whether you're a member or not a member and would just like to see what's going on with the church. Um, it's always a great time of celebration and discussion and just seeing what is happening. Um, also, Golden Ones, so our 55 and older group, has an event in March, uh, March 2nd. So there's going to be a breakfast buffet, and they're going to watch the movie I Am Israel. Um, if you have any questions, please contact the church office. The number's in there. And finally, there is the Northwood Share Dinner coming up um, March 5th. Um, so if you would like to be a part of that, please call the church office. I haven't done it the last couple of years, but a number of years ago I did it, and it was a great, great thing. Um, I think it's an awesome opportunity for us to reach out to the community and show who we are, um, not just in Three Lakes, but also in Eagle River. So if you want to be a part of that, please call the church office. And uh, finally, if you were doing the fighter verses, I messed up last week. So I said that the verse was John 10, 27 through 30 for this week. It is not. It is Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. So if you're wondering how my memorizing is going, that's how it's going, okay? Not even on the right verse. But um, if you uh, did John 10, 27 through 30, great. You're a week ahead. Just do the one previous. Do Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. Um, with that, I would invite us to a time of silence and reflection as we get ready to join into worship. enter a time of worship. Um, so Ian gave a heads up that the technology has failed us. It was at about 8.15 this morning, so we haven't had time to really practice an alternative way of doing things. As you know, we typically sing, and the words are on the screen. Most of you or some of you got a hymnal as you walked in. That's because one of the songs that we're doing is a hymnal, and I think we still have enough hymnals for most of the people that are here. So that's coming a little later in the service. I'm going to try to holler out the words at, before each musical phrase. 
The other songs, the one that are not in the hymnal, you should probably know. So we're going to let you decide the posture which you want to worship. If you want to stay seated and just treat the music as special music, that's fine. If you want to stand and try to join us, that's also fine. If you stand in front of somebody who's sitting, you won't be blocking the words because there are no words. So this is a curveball that we're going to try to hit. Bear with us if you would. We're going to start with a call to worship. This was going to be responsive, back and forth. Well, that's not going to happen. So let me read to you out of Psalm 91. And then we will sing this so- a song that's based on the 23rd Psalm, Surely Goodness and Mercy. And if you've sung that song a few times, you'll notice that there's a couple phrases in there that you say, wait a minute, that's not in Psalm 23. Where does it come from? It comes from Psalm 91. So listen, this is our call to worship. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. For he will, res- he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers, and he will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. And here's the phrases that I was referring to. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. So that's our call to worship. You can stand or sit as you want. Let's sing together, Surely Goodness and Mercy.
Dear Jesus, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together as your people, as your church. And even though that we don't have some of the things that we normally do, we still get to worship you together here, and that's what's important, Lord. We thank you for your promise to always be with us, that we don't have to worry about you being away or asleep or indisposed. You are always with us. We praise you for who you are, for the fact that you are the God not of one area, but of all of the earth, of everything. That you are almighty and all-powerful. And that you created us as we are, without a mistake. That none of us are an afterthought or any kind of mistake. That you made us who we are, and that you were, you were happy with who you were. I thank you that you didn't want to be separated from us. That you made a way by sending Jesus to die on the cross for us. And that he rose again. As we look at the world and see pain and hurt and evil people having plans that do things to other people that isn't good, Lord. We cry out to you for help. We cry out to you to intervene, to be obvious. Show us your work in this world. Don't allow us to just see the evil. And at the same time, we look at ourselves and we know that we are sinful people. And we ask that you would Help us to, to see our sin, to realize our sin, and to repent, to turn from those ways, and to follow you. I ask that you would bless our time together. Give us your spirit here in this place. Help us to worship even though that it's different. Help us to mean the words we sing. Help us contemplate the words that we hear. Help us to dwell on your word and cling to what you are teaching us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we would normally, we would have had a video before and after what we just heard, so you guys wouldn't be standing forever. So if you feel like you need to sit, feel free. We are now going to sing three songs. The first is, He Will, he will Hold Me Fast. Then we're going to sing the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul. Those of you who might have come in late, we have technical difficulties. That's why we have no nothing on the wall. Um, the hymn number is 347. If you received the hymn when you walked in the door, that will be the middle song, and then we will end the set with Hymn of Heaven. So let's worship the Lord. Christ will hold me fast. Christ will hold me fast. 
precious in his holy sight. Precious in his holy He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He'll not let my soul be lost. His promises will last. His promises shall last. Bought by him at such a cost. He will hold me fast. Amen. 
walk with Him for all eternity. There will be a day.
Finally, you can sit down. So before we uh, jump into our scripture reading and the sermon, I wanted to give you an update on uh, our winter retreat that the youth went. So if you went to Winterfest, could you guys come up here? So this year, I think, is the biggest year we've had. 28 people went. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. You're standing with me. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I was worried um, starting out because when I started talking to the camp, they said, um, yeah, we don't have a ski hill. We don't have a tubing hill. We don't have cross-country ski trails. You can't go snowshoeing. You can't go on the lake. You can't use our rec field. And um, at, originally, I thought it was us, one group of 27 people, or 28 people with another group of 27. I thought that was it. Um, I got the master schedule, and it was us with 28, another group with 27, one with 122, and one with 102. So um, thinking about that and realizing we were going to be pretty much inside for three days um, with a bunch of teenagers, was I was worried about it. But um, it ended up being a great year. We had great leaders, uh, great students, and we got to do a lot of fun things. So if each of you could share one great memory that you had from Winterfest, that'd be great. You want to start? Sure. Um, I loved Ian's teaching and the broom ball. I liked going on the Tim's Hill hike, even though we didn't have any snow. <laughs> I liked playing broom ball. Watching broom ball. <laughs> broom ball. Broom ball. Climbing. Spending my birthday with my friends. The Tim's Hill hike. I don't think I've laughed so much in 10 years as I did this weekend. I was, I was a little worried that my body couldn't handle the laughter, but my favorite part was definitely apples to apples. Uh, broom ball and climbing. Uh, broom ball. Uh, everything. Um, but I enjoyed running early in the morning on the trails with Erica. So. Yeah, it was, it was a great year. Um, instead of doing the normal activities that we did, we did a lot of board games. Um, they have a four-story climbing wall. How many of you guys climbed? Um, lots of these guys climbed. There were all kinds of routes that they could do. Um, I'll have pictures for that during the congregational meeting this week. Um, and then also our group took a hike to Tim's Hill, the tallest point in Wisconsin. Is it tall? <laughs> Everyone said it was kind of just this little lump. So. But they had a lot of fun. and. Um, it, it was great. So, um, can anyone remember the memory verse? You guys remember it, because, come on, Cohen, you, you had a really, really good uh, butchering of it on Wednesday, but close. No, but we talked about running the race and what it means to live your life running for Jesus, so, um, which lots of our guys run, so it was, it was good. Good. So, thanks, guys, for coming up here, and uh, yeah, that was wonderful. Scripture this morning is from James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Who among you is wise and understands? Let that one show from a good life by the things he does that he is wise and gentle. If you have jealousy in your heart and fight to have many things, do not be proud of it. Do not lie against the truth. This is not the kind of wisdom that comes from God. But this wisdom comes from the world and from that which is not Christian, and from the devil. Wherever you find jealousy and fighting, there will be trouble and every other kind of wrongdoing. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Then it gives peace. It is gentle and willing to obey. It is full of loving kindness and of doing good. It has no doubts and does not pretend to be something it is not. Those who plant seeds of peace will gather what is right and good. Michael. So this morning we're going to be in James, and I encourage you to turn there. Uh, if you are in grades 4K through 2nd grade, there's Children's Church, so you are welcome to go down there if you want. 
So how many of you like Hidden Valley Ranch dressing? Anyone? Anyone? Couple? All right. How about uh, Buffalo Ranch? Okay. Crunchy Carrot? Crunchy Carrot, yeah. Sounds pretty good. Okay. There's uh, one more. Something cucumber. I can't remember. I had a picture for you, but it's not there. Um, how many of you guys like Burt's Bees? So last year on April Fool's Day, there was a picture posted of a Hidden Valley Ranch-themed line of Burt's Bees flavors. Everyone thought it was a joke, and it was. But the outpouring of support for this idea made the company make four types of lip balms. Ranch dressing, <laughs> buffalo ranch, crunchy carrot, and some kind of cucumber one that I can't remember. They were released on January 14th of this year. They were sold out by January 18th of this year. <laughs> right now, I was looking today, it's like 75 bucks on Amazon for a set of four Burt's Bees flavors. Now, usually, everyone would look at Burt's Bees and ranch dressing and say, those don't go together. Those shouldn't go together. Why would anyone try and put those together? But there was evidently some kind of wisdom in those things. So this morning, we were talking about wisdom. If you would turn your Bibles to James chapter 3, we're going to delve into this and uh, talk about it. This year, I shouldn't say this year, since probably November, the youth group has been going through James. Um, and I came upon this passage while doing that and I uh, really liked it, so that's why we're doing it. Um, but James is a book written by, guess who? James, right? He identifies himself in chapter 1, verse 1, as a slave of God, writing to the 12 tribes spread throughout the ancient world. These 12 tribes are Jewish believers who have been scattered for multiple reasons, whether they've chosen to moved to different areas, or been scattered because of circumstances. Uh, in his book, James deals with a number of different topics, from hypocrisy and judgment to favoritism and self-control. Um, James tackles each topic from kind of a more practical point of view than I would say other authors do. Throughout the book, he connects these topics and comes back to them. So he kind of has this almost cyclical thing that he does, where he'll talk about a topic, and then he'll come back and he'll talk about it again, but he'll add a little bit to it. And he kind of does that over and over again through the book. So we're going to walk through um, these verses. Um, so if you will follow along with me, James 3, verse 13. I'm reading out of the few Bibles, which are uh, NIV. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. He starts out by asking a question. Who is wise and understanding among you? This is a rhetorical question, so I'm not asking for hands, so please no one identify yourself as wise this morning. But um, he asks this question, and he's going to ask it, answer it. How will you know a wise person? The answer, their actions. But not just in their actions, but how they do their actions. With gentleness and humility, they show that they are wise. When we think of wisdom and knowledge, we think of wisdom kind of as knowledge, right? Someone who is wise will know a lot. From a Greek standpoint, that's how it was. Wise people knew a lot. From a Jewish standpoint, wisdom was action. Knowledge was knowledge. When Jews see wisdom and knowledge next to each other, they hark back to Old Testament passages on wisdom. For example, Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Or in Proverbs 5.1 where it says, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen closely to my understanding. 
so that you may maintain discretion and your lips safeguard knowledge. The audience would have heard these two together, wisdom and understanding, and connected the dots between an Old and New Testament wisdom literature. This passage gives them a definition of what wisdom looks like, actions done in gentleness and humility. This then begs the question, what does the other side look like? Verses 14 through 16 gives us the opposition. Verse 14, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. This is what ungodly wisdom looks like. Bitter envy, not just envy, bitter and selfish ambition harbored in our hearts. Notice the word harbored. It's not just sitting in your heart. It's not just hanging out there. It is settling in. It has paid its fees at the dock and is taking on supplies in your heart. I think this illustration also works well with another illustration that James uses in chapter 1 where he's talking about sin and he describes it as a living thing. James 1.14 says this, But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Ungodly wisdom does the same thing. If we allow it to sit in our heart, take up residence, the end is not good things. Notice that it also talks about the source of this evil, right? It comes from us. It's our own hearts that bring it. So now we have a contrast that, that uh, James has given all of the attributes of ungodly wisdom. Now he gives the attributes of godly wisdom. Verse 17 and 18. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So we're going to take apart each of these different uh, words that are used to describe godly wisdom. First of all, it's pure. At first I was going to do some kind of analogy with metal, but then I thought of something better. Cookies. <laughs> All right, one time I came home from church and I decided I want a cookie. So I went to a store and I bought a cookie. It looked great. It was this big chocolate chip cookie. It was huge, okay? Nice chocolate chips on top. I knew that there was some real, real nice oatmeal in there. It was, it was going to be a great cookie. I got home and I took a bite. And I pulled something out of it. There's a dried cherry. Now, some of you may be like, Ian, that sounds great. Dried cherries are wonderful. What is your problem? Dried cherries should not be in chocolate chip cookies. That's what I'm saying. Okay? When you look at, thank you. When you look at the top of a cookie to the bottom, it should be all the way through. Chocolate chips and cookie. That's it. That's all it should be in there. Maybe some nuts, but that's it. Godly wisdom is the same way. From one end to the other, it needs to be the same thing. Nothing should be different. Earlier in James, God, or, uh, James is talking about God. Um, this is in verse 17. Okay? He's talking about God and how God doesn't deceive us. He doesn't tempt us. Verse 117, he says this. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God is pure. There's no shifting in him. There is no shadow where one part is darker and one part is lighter. God is God. And his wisdom is the same way. It is peace-loving. Not just peaceful, it is peace-loving. I recently started to realize that I do not enjoy shows that have drama for the sake of drama. When you're in school or when you're studying literature, 
and you, you're talking about books, there always has to be some kind of a crisis, right? There has to be some kind of a climax, something that you are looking for that, that gives some kind of excitement, right? Man versus man, or man versus nature, or man versus self, or whatever. There, you know, there's like a list of all kinds of themes, right? But really, I don't need more strife in my life. That's what I realized. I did not need more artificial strife in my life. Godly wisdom says that peace is a good thing. And that joy at the expense of your neighbor isn't good wisdom. Jesus talked about peacemakers in the Sermon on the Mount, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. Godly wisdom is considerate. Think of others before yourself. James talks about this earlier, so we're going to circle back on that a little bit later. It is submissive. Other translations use the word compliant or willing to yield to others. When we, have we ever seen the word compliant or submissive as a positive? In the world we look at, and you, th- you guys can echo me on this, is it better to be spunky and defiant or compliant? But I want you to think of how James starts his letter. What does he call himself? He calls himself a slave of God. Other translations say servant of God. What is more opposite than selfish ambition than a submissive servant? It says that godly wisdom is full of mercy and good fruit. Godly wisdom points us to be merciful, not just to our friends, but to our enemies, following Jesus' example. Good fruit refers to our actions. We are to be filled with good fruit, good actions. We are supposed to be trees bearing those. It says that uh, godly wisdom is impartial. So James has a couple different times where he talks about hypocrisy. A lot. And this comes from a scenario where people were coming into a gathering, church gathering, and the rich were given a good seat. They were given the seat close to the front, the comfortable seats, the nice seats. And the poor were said to, why don't you go sit at the back? Or better yet, maybe you don't need to come. Maybe you don't need to be here. James 2, verse 5, hammers this home. The reasons behind why we need to put aside impartiality. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him who you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, are you doing right? But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking it all. For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Favoritism doesn't hold any place in the family of God because we are called to love our neighbors ourselves. Godly wisdom is defined by its impartiality. It does not hold worldly values of a person's worth as true, it instead says that everyone is my neighbor and I will love them. Godly wisdom is sincere. Meaning, what you see is what you get, or what you hear is what you get as well. Lots of James' writing is all about if you are listening to God's word and you are following God's word, that means that you are not just listening, but you're also doing. And that doing 
is also in your speaking and what you believe is in every fast of your life. If we were to be wise, our actions have to be sincere. We cannot say we believe one thing and do another. Simple concept, but definitely not super easy to execute all the time. The passage ends with the author having a follow-through statement mirroring what is said in verse 16 with the outcomes of godly wisdom rather than the outcomes of evil. So verse 18, it says, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Peacemaking is not just for those who love peace. It is for those who are following Christ. Here's the picture. Those who live close to God, the God of peace, who cultivate peace, will be able to look over their fields that they have sown with peace and see the crops of righteousness growing. Is there striving against others? Is there focus on others' fields? No. In this field of righteousness that was planted with peace, there will be a large harvest. So looking at this passage, what can we learn from it? Number one, so this is in your bulletin if you're taking notes. Eli, I'm looking at you. You taking notes? I see you. All right? Our attitude while following Jesus will be as, imp is as impactful as our actions. As a kid, I was told over and over again, it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. Right? Mainly, well, usually in the context of me saying something to my brother that I said was a fine thing to say, but evidently had some kind of attitude behind it that wasn't great. <laughs> if we are striving to live with godly wisdom, then our attitudes, while we do honorable or good works, matter as well. This is me. I need to check my attitude. Am I doing the right thing with the right attitude? I'm doing, am I doing this with meekness, gentleness, sincerity, impartiality? Or am I doing this because it will feed my self-ambition? Because it will mean that I look good. Because it means that if I do this, that I will check some kind of box in my own expectation. Number two. We need to adjust our view of what is wisdom. When we look at the world and who we identify with who, who is wise, we need to be careful. Sometimes we pick people that aren't actually that wise. Yeah, they may be successful in the world's eyes. Yeah, they may have made tons of money or made great decisions. But what's the attitude behind what they're talking about? What, is the, what are the things, that, the outcomes of what they say? Are they humble or is it all about them? Think of our sources of where we Listen, who we listen to. Are they peace-loving? Or are they stirring up trouble? Are they compliant? Are they willing to yield the way to others? I was thinking about that statement, yield the way to others. Okay? We talk about going the extra mile. A phrase we use, right? About doing more than what you should. What's that actually about? It's about carrying and occupying armies, soldiers pack for an extra mile. That's what Jesus was talking about. He was talking about Roman soldiers who under an unjust law were able to ask Jewish citizens to carry their pack for an extra mile. That's what it's about. We are called to be compliant. Think about the attitude that undergirds what we are hearing. Is it one that has humility intertwined in it? We also need to think of our heroes differently. Godly wisdom isn't going to make sense in the world. Winterfest, we talked about running. And I mentioned in it, for those of you that were there, Eric Little. So Eric Little was a runner from the early 20th century, he competed in the 1924 Paris Olympics, and he's known for not wanting to run on a Sunday. And he took a stand for it, and he didn't 
he didn't run. Um, but I think that's, a, that's a, a cool thing, that he made that stand. But I think the rest of his life is really where you see his true character. So in 1925, he competed for the last time on European soil. Later that year, he goes and he moves back to China where his parents were missionaries. So if you know your Asian history, 1931, 1930, Japan starts invading China and other countries. And as they did, they started taking territory. So Eric had the option to be a missionary there, gives up his fame, his fortune, his running career, um, and he continues to do missions work in China. In 1941, he ends up getting captured by the Japanese, and he gets put into an internment camp where he has to work. Um, at the time, he had a brain tumor. Um, so he ends up dying in a Japanese internment camp in February of 1945. He had the option to go back to Canada earlier, um, and there are some debates whether he also could have been traded for a British, uh, Japanese, British Japanese prisoner in a prisoner exchange. That's debated, but um, the Chinese government believes that. So they, um, instead, he stays in the camp, and during hardships, even when he had a chance to leave. In the early 30s, he's asked at one point by a reporter if he regretted giving up his running career. And this is what he said. It's natural for a chap to think over all of that sometimes. But I'm glad I'm at the work I'm engaged in now. A fellow's life counts for far more at this than the other. So his life as a missionary counted far more and his running career as a famous, I mean, amazing runner. Amazing. So three, this all begs the question, whose wisdom are you relying on? Right at face value, this verse tells us what to look for in wisdom, but it also asks this question. What are we using to get through life, whose wisdom are we using? Are we relying on ourselves? Are we feeding our own selfish desires and needs and always trying to get ahead of everyone else around you, allowing jealousy of others and all our other selfish ambitions to fuel what we do? Are we looking to get peace for ourselves? Are we looking to self-medicate, whether it's I'm going to escape from the troubles or escape from the duties that God has asked me to do, the things he asks us to do? Are we entertaining ourselves to be comfortable rather than following God well? Jesus made us, God made us for more. And even though those values don't look the same as the world says, they have an impact. God's wisdom promises something else entirely, something better. Life done right. Peace. When we look at what Jesus did on the cross, the world says that it was ludicrous. Crazy. A 33-year-old man who had the power to save himself went and died on a cross for people who hated him. So my question for you, if you have never heard that, never understood that Jesus died for your sins and rose again on the third day is who are you relying on? Are you relying on your own power to get through this life or are you relying on someone else's? And if you are following Jesus and chosen to follow Jesus, then my question is are you following in his wisdom or are you relying on yourself? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for the fact that you say it's not about the strong or the powerful or the mighty or the rich 
but rather it's about the humble and the meek and the gentle who you have raised up and said, no, I will work through you. The broken and the hurting. I ask that you would help us to remember that, help us to remember that we are not alone in, in trying to figure all this out, that we can rely on you to figure out how to go through this life. We thank you for all you've given us. And we ask your blessing in Jesus' name. I'm going to end with, so this is John 14. This is when Jesus is about to leave them. He says this. This is 1427. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You are dismissed.